Well, we've sung a lot this evening and we've heard some great music. And it is the song of the angels. Glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. But what does that mean? If we're honest, Christmas often seems the last time of the year that anybody would describe as peaceful. There's so much busyness around, people getting ready, people buying presents, people, well, okay, women buying presents, men saving it until Christmas Eve and just going out for an hour in that one shop in which they hope to get everything uh, that they need to buy for Christmas presents. Christmas often seems the last time of the year that anybody would describe as peaceful. There are too many times when there's a works do, there's a business do, there's this to be fitted in, there's that to be fitted in, there's relatives to be visited, there's relatives to be endured. There's the true story of a woman exhausted after a day's shopping who slumped into a full lift in Selfridge's department store in London. The lift was full to bursting. Everybody was hot and tired, stressed, and very, very grumpy. And the woman sighed and articulated what everybody else in the lift was feeling. Whoever invented Christmas should be strung up. And there was one of those silences. There was quite an awkward silence. And then one voice simply spoke out in the lift. Well, I think they did kill Jesus in the end. And the lift winced as one. Peace is as elusive at Christmas as it is often at the rest of the year. Everyone seems so busy. There are carol services to go to, school concerts to attend, relatives to visit, shopping to be done, work dues to attend. There is too much food and too much drink, and peace often seems very far away. And if we're honest, we tend to think of peace as the absence of hostility. More a bit, if you like, like a truce. A bit like in 1914 when the troops on both sides in the First World War climbed out of the trenches on that Christmas day in 1914 and played football against each other. For that Christmas, at least, peace, or at least a truce, came. Hands played against Harold. Angus played against Alexander. Wolfgang played against William. And they saw each other simply as they were, fellow human beings. And they chatted, and they smoked, and they laughed, and they sang. And probably again, Germany won on penalties. <laughs> but the odd thing was that the next day, those same soldiers who had played football and sung and smoked and chatted and shared with each other went back to their trenches and they shot and bombed one another. Is that really what we mean by peace? Is that really what the angels were singing about? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to his people? Does it simply mean the absence 
of hostility? Does it simply mean a truce called between ourselves or even between ourselves and God? Well, peace in the Bible is so much more than that. We see various words from various languages of the word peace up there in the pulpit that we never use anymore and use it as a fantastic flower vase. Perhaps the biggest vase in the world, really, when you think about it. Peace, and the Hebrew word in the Old Testament is shalom, carries much more simply than the idea of a truce, far, far much more than that. It carries idea of, ideas of wholeness, of wellness, of soundness, of completeness, even prosperity. And we miss all that in the English language. Peace, which we think of perhaps as something as a negative, the absence of war or conflict. Peace, according to the word shalom, is a much more positive idea. In biblical times, peace was inseparable from justice and righteousness, right living and right relationships. And shalom had four aspects to it. Peace with God, peace with yourself, peace with other people, and then peace with creation. People longed for peace then as people long for peace now. But the idea of the peace that God would bring was very different to the peace that the people of Israel were experiencing when Jesus was born 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago in Palestine, the Romans had established what they called Pax Romana, following a huge civil war between Augustus and his defeat of Mark Antony, Caesar, now Augustus, tried to convince the Romans, whose very identity had been shaped by war, that more prosperity would come through peace. And to do this, ironically, Pax Romana, the Roman peace, was enforced by the military. The army ensured that everybody lived in peace, but they ensured that by very violent means, by subjugating and overtaking and oppressing people and ensuring that they had no ability to fight back. It was one of the cruelest, most violent regimes in human history. And if you messed with the Romans, you ended up crucified. And the message of the cross was, you mess with us, this is what will happen to you. Roman peacekeepers certainly were not pacifists. And yet at the heart of the Jewish idea of the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one, the one that God would send to bring in his kingdom, the one who would come and announce good news, the one who would be the embodiment of God on earth. Behind and at very, the very heart of that idea was one of these titles that we see over the screen and underneath the star. Words that we heard in that reading from Isaiah chapter 9, right at the start of the service. For to us a son is given, a child is born, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince 
of peace. The Jews, when Jesus came, thought that the messianic era would usher in a new period of peace, positive peace, desperately sought by those that Isaiah's words were spoken to 700 years before Jesus himself was born. You see, at that time, Israel's kingdom was divided in two. The northern kingdom was occupied by Assyria. Refugee status lay before the southern kingdom in Babylon. Things in Palestine looked bleak, dark, a great darkness. And that's why Isaiah spoke those words. The people that walked in darkness, brackets, a great darkness, have seen a great light. A child will be born, and his name will be Wonderful, or perhaps more literally, Supernatural Counselor. He'll be the mighty God, or perhaps another translation could be the hero, superior to everybody else on the battlefield. He will be the everlasting Father. He will be the Prince of Peace. And when they said he'll be the Prince of Peace, what they were meaning was he will be the real deal. He will be the whole real man. To get the full sense of what it means to be the Prince of Peace, it's encapsulated by words like perfectly integrated, a rounded personality, at one with humanity and at one with God. That's what it means to be the Prince of Peace. And when Jesus came, he said that his kingdom was to be characterized by one thing, peace. Those who would belong to the kingdom of Jesus, those who would live life the way he wants us to live, would be, he said, peacemakers. Not peacekeepers or cheese makers, as Monty Python put it, but peacemakers. Not people who will keep the peace, not people who will settle for how things were, but people who will actively go out to create peace, to share peace. Peace with other people and to share the peace that God himself offers, established through a different pax, not military might, but through love. Not army or military efficiency, but a whole way of looking at the world through self-sacrifice and benefiting not those who would cling onto power, but the outcasts and those on the margin. If we're honest, our world often talks about peace, but often hasn't the foggiest what it really means. We ask, we talk about it in a way sometimes glibly and cheaply. It's a bit like the true story of a politician, a government minister, who in the days leading up to Christmas was rung up by a journalist and asked what he wanted for Christmas. He didn't want to appear too greedy, so he thought, I know what, I'll say the thing that's really in at the moment, the sort of equivalent of, remember when Delia Smith's Christmas recipes cleared uh, the supermarkets of one particular ingredient? Well, this year, the ingredient that everybody was looking for was a bottle of stem ginger. And so the politician said, what I would like for Christmas is a bottle of stem ginger. He didn't want to appear too greedy. He didn't want to appear too materialistic. 
However, he got a bit of a shock when he opened the newspaper on Christmas Eve and read the article in full. You see, what he didn't realize was that the same journalist was asking other people what they wanted for Christmas. The Archbishop of Canterbury, in response, said this, that he hoped the violence in Myanmar would end. The moderator of the Church of Scotland said that she was hoping for peace between Israelis and Palestinians in Jerusalem and the West Bank. The government minister was quoted as saying that what he wanted was a bottle of stem ginger, which somewhat paled by comparison. And if we're honest, our idea of peace pales in comparison with the peace that God Himself offers and the peace that God Himself won. The peace that God offers is that peace where we're right with God, right with ourselves, right with other people, and even right with creation itself. Elsewhere in the New Testament, it's described as a peace beyond all understanding. And it cannot be achieved or bought, whether through mindfulness or meditation or yoga, no matter how hot. It's a gift, a gift that comes from God Himself, offered by His Son, the Prince of Peace, who lived and died to bring us this peace. Peace with God, peace with ourselves, peace with people, and peace with creation. And it is not a temporary truce. Elsewhere in the New Testament, one of the early Christians, Paul, describes the cross of Jesus Christ as the declaration of the end of hostilities. We who once were enemies are now declared to be friends of God. We who once were far away are now brought near. And this peace is achieved through death, the death of that one person, that baby born 2,000 years ago into Bethlehem, who did not stay as a baby, but grew up and lived and taught and did the most amazing things, but then who did the most human thing possible, died a death, but then in the most divine act possible, was raised again to life, resurrected, Christians believe, so that we too might be raised from death, that we too might be resurrected. That Jesus, coming down literally to our level, lived and died to enable you and I to be brought back into a right relationship with God, a right relationship with ourselves, a right relationship with other people, and even a right relationship with creation. He died so that we might live. He became alienated from God, His Father, so that you and I might be ushered in to the very presence of God itself, that we might have a relationship with God. That's what it means to be a Christian to have a living, personal relationship with this baby who was born 2,000 years ago and who is now the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He came into our home 
in order that we might go into His. So the searching and the restlessness, the insecurity, the yearning can stop. So the conflict and the hostility between ourselves and sometimes with that which is at war and at work within our very selves can come to an end. That the war that sometimes we wage between ourselves and God, and we would simply surrender and recognize that the only way to live life is actually the way that God always intended it. To that place where in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, we are accepted, where we are deeply, deeply known and deeply, deeply loved, where all the pretending stops and we are known simply as we are and loved simply as we are. A few years ago, I was at a conference in the Royal Albert Hall and a Roman Catholic cardinal was being interviewed and was asked, what do you think God is saying to the world? And this Austrian Roman Catholic cardinal put it simply this way. He said, I believe that God is saying to the world, come home, come home, come home. And maybe that's a word for you this Christmas. Maybe this Christmas you feel far away from God. God's word to you this Christmas is very simple, but very heartfelt. Come home. Come home. Come home. 